2 Samuel, we're in the book of 2 Samuel, which is on page 304. So 2 Samuel, starting at verse 1 of chapter 1. 2 Samuel 1, 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from striking down the Amalekites and stayed in Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. The men fled from battle, he replied. Many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man who brought him the report, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, the young man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and their drivers in hot pursuit. When he turned round and saw me, he called out to me, and I said, What can I do? He asked me, Who are you? An Amalekite, I answered. Then he said to me, Stand here by me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown that was on his head and the band on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who brought him the report, Where are you from? I am the son of a foreigner, an Amalekite, he answered. David asked him, Why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of his men and said, Go, strike him down. So he struck him down, and he died. For David had said to him, Your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered that the people of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jasher. A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain. May no showers fall on your terraced fields. For there the shield of the mighty was despised. The shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of of women. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go up to to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, go up. David asked, where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. 
So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. When David was told that it was the man with Jabesh-Gilead who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to them to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul, your master, by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness, and I too will show you the same favor, because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul, your master, is dead, and the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. This is just going to be a very few reflections from that passage. In fact, I'm just going to draw out three points that arise from it. And and the first is this. Did you notice Saul's respect, uh, sorry, David's respect for Saul in that passage? Now, Saul had turned away from the ways of God. Uh, he'd apostatized. You may remember the story of him going to the so-called witch of Endor. Furthermore, he'd been trying to kill David. And we know that God had rejected Saul as king. Indeed, uh, we know that at God's command, Samuel had anointed David as Saul's successor. But David knew that until God removed Saul, he was still God's anointed king. And and so we read in 1 Samuel uh, that although David twice had the chance to kill Saul, he he didn't do so. And as we've just heard, uh, when the Amalekite man came and said that he had killed Saul, David had him executed Incidentally, the Amalekite story of what happened at Saul's death doesn't tally with what we're told in the first book of Samuel. It appears that the man was lying, probably because he expected that David would be delighted by Saul's death and thought he'd be rewarded. Well, he couldn't have been more wrong, could he? Uh, David respected Saul as God's anointed ruler. And the key point is that that we're called upon to show similar respect to those in authority. Now, I know that Christians have argued for 2,000 years about when um, uh, rebellion against authority, even revolution, is justified. And don't worry, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that this morning. Uh, There's simply one point to note, and it's this. The Bible clearly tells us that in all normal circumstances, we are to respect and submit to that authority. It doesn't say we have to agree says, though, we should respect and submit to it. This is what Peter, the Apostle Peter, says. It's 1 Peter 2.17. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. And that's a particularly strong statement, bearing in mind the emperor in question was doubtless Nero, who, as we all know, was not a great thing. And then what about what Paul says? 
This is Romans 13.5. It's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. And and Paul demonstrated that. Uh, When he was before the Sanhedrin, uh, he laid into the high priest. He was actually quite rude to him, accusing him of hypocrisy. Uh, And it was pointed out to him that he'd done that, and he was told, you shouldn't be rude to the high priest. And, And he said, I'm really sorry, I didn't know he was the high priest. We should respect the leaders of the people. I, uh, of course, he didn't have to agree with him. The high priest rejected Christ, but he was called upon to respect him. And I was quite convicted when uh, I read that. Uh, in fact, I was thinking about it just uh, a few moments ago as it was read again, because it's very easy not to respect those with whom we fundamentally disagree, uh, and, and we need to do so. Uh, uh, it doesn't, doesn't mean we have to agree, as Paul agreed with the high priest. He had a radically different uh, uh, view, but we do need to respect and, in all normal circumstances, submit to those who have authority over us. That is point number one. Point two, David... uh, lamented for Saul and uh, called on other people to lament as well. Uh, Why was that? We might have expected him to rejoice. After all, his persecutor was dead and the way was clear for him to become king. Furthermore, he knew that it was God's will that Saul should die. Indeed, ultimately, It was God who was responsible for his death. But David still lamented. And and there's there's a delicate balance here. Um, On the one hand, there would have been nothing wrong in David rejoicing that God had protected him, vindicated him, and indeed exalted him to the kingship. In fact, if you look at the book of Psalms, you'll see that David did rejoice for those things. Furthermore, the Bible clearly tells us that we should rejoice in the vindication of God, his triumph over those who oppose him. And Saul had certainly opposed him. But, and it's a big but, this is Ezekiel 18.23. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? God doesn't take pleasure in uh, the death of the wicked. It may be necessary, but he doesn't take pleasure in it. Do you remember Christ wept over Jerusalem? And, And we need to have a similar attitude. Furthermore, sin always has consequences. In David's case, his friend Jonathan had died and the northern part of the kingdom had come under Philistine domination. And we need to lament those consequences of sin. So yes, we can and should rejoice when evil is defeated, but we need to lament the whole process involved in sin and its consequences. And then third, and finally, did you note what David did after his mourning was over? 
I can imagine that uh, some of his his, uh, men were saying to him, seize the moment, David, it's come, march north, go through Israel, become king. It, It might even have seemed the obvious thing to do, because after all, he had been anointed king by, by Samuel previously. But David didn't do that. He paused and sought God's will. And as it was, God's will was that he should head a little way north to Hebron, which was the center of the clan of Judah, and there be acclaimed king by that clan. But it was going to be several years more before he became the king of the whole of Israel. And and we do need to learn from that. I think particularly today, uh, there's a loud clamour for us to respond to this, to react to that, and do so immediately. Everything's urgent. Don't delay. And of course, sometimes things are pressing. But we need always to follow David's example in seeking the will of the Lord, even when the course of action to take seems obvious. As we'll hear in a few weeks' time, even God's prophets could go seriously wrong when they failed to consult the Lord before speaking. This isn't a plea for inaction, but, but, but it is a warning that we should not rely on our own unaided understanding. So those are the three points. First of all, we should respect all God-given authority. Second, we should lament sin and its consequences. And third, we should always seek the will of God, including when the course of action we should take seems obvious. And there's just one final point. There is something that underlies all of those three points. It's the sovereignty of God. David recognized the sovereignty of God, uh, and he responded to it in faith. Uh, As has already been pointed out, he wasn't a perfect person. In fact, he did some really terrible things in his life. But the orientation of his life was right towards faith in the sovereign Lord. And thus it was uh, that uh, he accepted the God-given authority of Saul and didn't take matters into his own hands. He waited for God to work out his purposes. And, and, And furthermore, he sought to align his attitudes to those of God. And then he recognised the need to seek God's will in all things. And we should do likewise, shouldn't we? Amen.